Welcome to Healthcare Hot Buttons. I'm Harry Liu. In today's episode, we will discuss why New York City's 30 million mental health program failed to meet the city officials' expectation. In July 2015, the First Lady of New York City, Shirley McRae, announced a five-year program to transform mental health service delivery to low-income populations. The program is called Connections to Care, or C2C, meaning it aims to connect individuals needing mental health services to professional providers. It had a total budget of $30 million. The funding came from the New York City Mayor's Fund, the Federal Social Innovation Fund, private foundations, and service partners. Later that year, it became part of the Thrive NYC initiative, which had a gigantic budget of $850 million. The city program's goal was to improve access to mental health services as well as treatment outcomes among the low-income populations. These are individuals served by community-based organizations, or CBOs. These are out-of-school youth, unemployed adults, expectant parents, caregivers of young children, homeless individuals, and immigrants. The main strategy behind C2C is called task shifting. That is, specialists, for example, psychiatrists, psychologists, and social workers would train and supervise laypersons. In turn, these trained individuals could then deploy basic skills learned and help their clients in need of mental health services. Given there was an ongoing shortage of mental health providers in New York City, the strategy seemed to make sense. Specifically, the program trained CBO staff in four mental health skills mental health screening, mental health first aid, motivational interviewing, and psychoeducation. This included various types of staff members, including CBO service providers, case managers, administrative assistants, security guards, and supervisors. Trained CBO staff integrated all these four skills into their routine CBO services. They also connected individuals to professional mental health providers on an as-needed basis. However, after all was said and done, a formal evaluation completed in 2020 shows that, overall, the program did not increase access to professional mental health services, nor did it improve mental health symptoms. Nonetheless, among some subgroups, the program was associated with a small or medium effect on reduced symptoms. Of course, we should be cautious in interpreting the findings about subgroups, because the more statistical tests we conduct, the more likely we'll get false positive findings. Now, the question is, why didn't the program work out as expected? In my opinion, the primary suspect is that the program was not designed correctly. There are two major categories of barriers to access to mental health services, logistical barriers and stigma-related ones. Logistical barriers include things like lack of health insurance, cost sharing, lack of transportation, provider shortage, and lack of providers who speak an individual's language. And stigma means patients may have concerns over privacy and other consequences and are afraid of others finding out that they are receiving mental health services. Unfortunately, the C2C program was not designed to fully address these barriers. Instead, it mainly targeted the provider shortage aspect of the problem. Presumably, 
individuals receiving CBO services will trust their staff and be less concerned about the stigma, but the evaluation results do not support this. Also, trained CBO staff did refer individuals with potential mental health needs to professional providers. But again, for some reason, no differential improvements in access were observed when compared to comparison CBOs. Of course, there are several other plausible explanations, although they are less important than the flawed program design. First, task shifting may not work in the United States. When the program was launched, there was little evidence to show that task shifting would work in the U.S. setting. But the concept of task shifting in mental health services had been well established in developing countries. Many studies, including a number of randomized clinical trials, showed positive findings. Primary care doctors, nurses, health workers, or other non-mental health medical staff were trained and supervised by psychiatrists or psychologists. These trained providers achieved significant improvements in patient and caregiver outcomes. But all this occurred in other developing countries. Although more evidence is needed, it is possible that the task-shifting approach does not work in the United States. You could argue that it has led to the program's failure. Second, the program could have been implemented better. There were many challenges in the first two years after the program launch. CBOs had to invest considerable time and resources to learn and integrate the four skills into their routine services. The launch period also lasted for more than a year. However, data suggests that CBOs exceeded expectation in terms of the number of staff members trained and clients served. The program was also well received by CBO staff and mental health providers who provided training and supervision. In addition, more than 80% of referred individuals had the first appointment with a professional mental health provider. This is much higher than the rates of other mental health interventions. Again, it is possible, but unlikely that bad implementation has caused the ineffectiveness of the program. Third, the comparison CBO selected for the evaluation were not ideal. The program was evaluated during a period when the city was implementing other mental health interventions as a part of its 850 million initiative. For example, many community organizations were trained in mental health first aid. The Mayor's Fund also launched a citywide public awareness campaign to reduce the stigma associated with mental health services. In other words, the evaluation assumed that the comparison CBOs did not receive any interventions, although they may be affected by other measures implemented by the city at the same time. Therefore, in theory, the observed effectiveness of the C2C program would have been larger without other initiatives going on. But note that all these other interventions were much less intensive than C2C. Even if all comparison CBOs were affected by other interventions, we would still expect to see some program impact. But we didn't. Putting all these explanations aside, I think the city could have done better, at least in terms of the money spent. We all agree that trial and error is part of the problem-solving process, but why should we make a big deal out of this failure? Because one thing the city could do or could have done differently is to scale back the scope of the program. A 30 million project is not small by any measure, especially given that the program's effectiveness was unknown at the time of its launch. The whole Strive NYC initiative to strengthen mental health cost $850 million, a huge amount of money. Was it because of political considerations? This, of course, is a wild guess. 
Here are the takeaways. New York City spent $30 million to test the task-shifting approach to improve access to and outcomes of mental health, but to no avail. The failure is primarily due to the flaws in the program design. Nevertheless, the city could have spent less on the program. Okay, that's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Please let me know the topics of your interest. I will see you next time.